Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore News Week. I am Joe Coglin, the co-founder of the record NorthShore.org, your friendly neighborhood nonprofit news website. Um, you can find all these stories and more at the record NorthShore.org. This podcast, North Shore News Week, is just a convenient way and a, a different way for you guys to access the top headlines of the week. I'm going to give you uh, the best of what we got for the week in a quick and simple format here. We go through in three segments. We start with our lead story. We move down into the up and down the shore where we give you a little tidbit of every town that we cover. And then we wrap up with our lead, uh, I'm sorry, with our featured feature of the week, give you a profile human interest piece to chew on. So I'm uh, going to run through all those, but there's plenty more and they're up quicker at the recordnorthshore.org. So I urge you to check that out um, all the time. We also have a newsletter that comes on the weekly, um, but uh, there are a lot of ways that you can access your neighborhood news. So please check it out. We're going to start, as I said, with the lead story. And this one comes out of Wilmette. And on Thursday, officials in the community gathered over on Wilmette Avenue to celebrate the completion of Cleland Place, a 16-unit residential building um, that is affordable housing. Um, And it took six years to develop at 1925 Wilmette Avenue, which is the former site of the local American Legion Post, which uh, ran into financial difficulties, had to sell the property, which they owned, um, and the site, and they sold it to Cleland Place, which is owned by... I should say they sold it to the Housing Opportunity Development Corporation, uh, which develops and owns affordable housing throughout the the northern suburbs, and they turned it into Cleveland Place. Took a while, um, six years, as I mentioned. So this was the a ceremony, a ribbon cutting. Now that it's ready for tenants, um, uh, applications have already been sought of for the sixteen units, just sixteen available, um, ten one bedroom six two-bedroom, 117 applications were taken initially, um, and they have selected their first eight um, app, uh, tenants for the building, um, and they are uh, still going through the selection process for the final um, eight units, but uh, those tenants are hopefully supposed to move in by September 1st. That's what Richard Koenig, who's the executive dresser, director of the Housing Opportunity Development Corporation, hopes to accomplish um, a September 1st opening, but um, it's already. Um, the community celebrated the first affordable housing development in Wilmette that is not just for seniors. So Wilmette has some other places that have affordable uh, units, but they're seniors only, usually above the age of, of 60 or 62, depending on the facility. But this one is all ages, um, and uh, the only requirement is a certain benchmark for uh, hardships. Um, there is a income level that's around $35,000 a year. Um, Of course, there are stipulations and other things that go along with that. But um, Cleland Place is open. It's named after Gene Cleland, a longtime Wilmot resident and the founding board member, a founding board member for um, the Housing um, Opportunity uh, uh, Corporation that that owns the property. She was a longtime advocate for diversity and inclusion in Wilmot in her community. it was just a, a good occasion, um, everyone coming together to celebrate this. Um, the I thought it was, I was on hand, and I spoke with a couple members of the uh, Legion who were there. Um, thought they had some cool words to say, that they were happy that uh, they were able to sell to a place like, that turned into a place like Cleveland Place, doing more good for the community. 
providing more opportunities for the community, just like they feel they did. And a school did before them on that same property. So kind of continuing that um, that tradition of service at 1925 Walnut Avenue. Um, apartments at Cleveland Place are 600 for the one bedroom, 800 for the two bedroom, respectively. Um, there's 20 parking spaces, a community room, some security cameras, um, handicap accessible units, laundry in the building, um, uh, basically everything um, a normal development has. Um, so um, it's a big it's a big step for Wilmette and in a lot of North Shore communities. In a report that came out in 2018 from the Illinois Housing Development Authority, Wilmette was one of 46 communities in Illinois, um, a thousand people or more. Uh, 46 of them that had less than 10% of its housing stock were not were uh, affordable. So less than 10% of all the housing units in Wilmette were affordable. Um, Wilmette was at 4.5%. Other towns, Kenilworth at 2.2, Glencoe 2.5, Winneka 2.7 are actually lower. Glenview 7.3, Highland Park 9.3, a little higher. Um, but uh, the, the Housing Development Authority um, wanted a plan in place. This report came out in 2018 to rectify that and to get over 10%. Wilmette already had a Cleveland place going, so that obviously aids their efforts in, in affordable housing in the community. So a big milestone passed in Wilmette and for the North Shore with an affordable housing available to all ages, um, and that's Cleveland place. So check out that full story. Plenty of other. We I talked to a resident. I talked to Richard Koenig um, and some others, and we have some pictures there too. So check out that story, and that's our lead story. Um, that's our first segment. We jump right into the second segment, which is up and down the shore. We're going to try to touch on every community we cover from Glencoe down to Wilmette. Um, in Glencoe, um, pretty easy one. Glencoe received a grant from ComEd. This is just kind of a little brief that we had, um, an annual Power Safe Communities grant. The, the grant funds for Glencoe, actually, they're going to purchase two electric vehicle charging stations. Wilmette also is part of this grant program, um, the grant uh, awards this year, and it's gonna, um, they're, they're going to be able to purchase one and place it in downtown Wilmette, but Glencoe is going to be able to purchase two. This is an annual program from ComEd, the Power, Powering Safe Communities program, and it's uh, delivered over a million grants in 136 um, projects throughout Northern Illinois since 2016. So cool program, going to power um, <laughs> power some um, charging station funding um, here in both Wilmette and Glencoe. Moving on to Winneka, we're going to talk about um, a, a great program there that's that's evolving a little bit called Henry's Heroes, and this is the story of Henry Ida, a, um, a teenager now in in uh, out of Winneka that um, has epilepsy, and throughout his life he's actually um, suffered um, seizures in public, and it's a great story about how when this happened when he was a child in front of his classmates, his classmates, classmates rallied around him, and because of that his mother um, was so moved, Nancy, that she started Henry's Heroes with those students in mind, acting as the heroes, acting as the ambassadors to help raise funds and put on charity events um, for fighting the epilepsy monster, as they call it, but raising money for awareness of and to fight epilepsy to uh, fund some research. Um, so the Henry's Hero Foundation is a really great story. We have the full story here, but um, the evolution there is Nancy uh, also when Henry um, when was diagnosed with epilepsy, she started painting and her painting kind of took off and she was able to take a lot of the funding from her paintings 
and put it back into epilepsy research. So now she's opened a studio right on Green Bay Road in downtown Winneka. I'm sorry, in the Hubbard Woods district, where um, you know any any of the funds raised there from her art and some other guest artists uh, go right to the epilepsy epilepsy um, charities that they they help fund and send to, such as the Danny Did Foundation and um, one in the greater Chicago area. So that's the Henry's Heroes Foundation. Really cool story uh, that we got talking to. Um, uh, um, a longtime Henry hero, Jennifer Watala, as well as Nancy, to tell the story of Henry's heroes. Um, moving down another community, we're going to go to Northfield. This is really one of those Northfield Winneka combos where we talk about Nutria. They had a school board meeting and they heard about the first day back at school, which was Monday, uh, this Monday, uh, August 23rd. They also got back to business as usual. It's been a kind of a complicated summer year, um, year and a half for all school boards, but Nutrier too, as they've tried to navigate the path of COVID-19 and mitigation efforts and um, safety uh, protocol and things like that, um, as well as plenty of resident feedback. Uh, this meeting was relatively tame in that respect. Um, they were able to hear about a positive first day back, back where all students, staff, and anybody inside the building, visitors as well, are wearing masks. Um, and uh, they were just happy to be back in school. Um, that's mostly what they talked about. Happy to be in person five days a week, full in-person school, um, schooling, learning. And they also talked about some projects for 2022. So obviously we did some summer projects this past summer, um, some improvements across the district. And the major updates are coming for the Winneka campus. But um, the board looked ahead to 2022 to approve summer projects and get ahead of the curve there as well. So take a look at what those are. Um, they're estimated about $3 million next summer. Uh, involves some adding some LED lighting for the gyms, some new basketball backboards, some other things as well, general improvements. So check that out. Um, moving down to Wilmette. Um, we're going to talk about a, some, some policy discussion. Doesn't sound too exciting, but I, I promise you it is. It's an interesting case. Uh, two interesting cases, zoning cases, that the Wilmette Village Board took on this week. One, they made a decision, once they, one they tabled. Um, but an interesting case from a senior couple who claimed that they wanted to put an addition on their home because um, getting up the stairs was getting more difficult year by year, day by day. So they wanted to put an addition on the first level to add their master bedroom downstairs so they didn't have to constantly go upstairs every evening to go to sleep. That proposal was actually denied by the Wilmette Village Board um, because of the policy language, they said. It, it was a split vote, four to three, but the policy language, according to the uh, majority, said that um, in the village ordinance for hardship, it does not talk about personal hardships. It's more about space hardships and the build hardships caused by the building, not because of personal ailments or personal experiences. So because of that, four members of the village board voted against the elderly couple, and they cannot put the addition, at least not in that way, um, with that proposal as of now. Very interesting case. The second interesting case was about um, another addition. This one, a two-story addition in which uh, a family said that their home was just not working. The layout in which they wanted to, they want to put a two-story addition, which included um, a large garage bay and then a rehab master suite above it. Um, they are still in discussions there at the village level. Um, some of the owners, um, some of the neighbors, one of the neighbors specifically complained that it's going to block or disrupt a view that they paid, um, that it was a reason they moved into their house next door. Um, 
the village board was kind of wishy-washy in that respect, but I urge you to read the whole story and read the case. It's very interesting, um, and it looks like they're going to, in the end, the village board asked that the neighbors work it out and come to see I.I.I eye to eye on a project that makes sense um so i think it's not the not the end of this project that we're going to hear um but um it's near the baha'i temple on central avenue so we're going to uh hear more about it but right now it is tabled um at the at the board level so that is up and down the shore we just moved all the way from glencoe to wilmette in a few quick stories so read all those stories and plenty more guys including plenty of um, high school sports on our website right now, we're gonna we're gonna take a step into our final segment, which is our featured feature, and we have a cool one about shady shady Dan's hot sauce, which is uh, as mysterious as it sounds. I think it's we got a really fun, um, you know, interesting story that I think you guys should read. Um, the proprietor here is Adam uh, Jakish, um, who is an Evanston native, and he grew up. Um, watching his father kind of concoct this hot sauce on a pepper farm in the 1970s that they had in Wisconsin. And he grew up kind of running around the farm, picking weeds, maybe just watching his father in the kitchen, things like that, having a good time. But when, <clears throat> as the years wore on and Adam graduated from Evanston High School and then he, he went to Fordham in New York and um, he decided that he wanted to do something similar to his father and, and this hot sauce may have some legs to it. So he asked his dad to teach him the ways of, of the, the pepper sauce that they made as a kid um, and the hot sauce. And so he, he learned that, spent the summer up on the pepper farm in Wisconsin and kind of learned the ins and outs in the kitchen and exactly what to do. His father, Edward, is a, was a chemical engineer. He died in um, 2015, but was a chemical engineer, so used a lot of his know-how from MIT to figure out these recipes and refine and tune them. Adam did the same things. He taught, um, he taught Adam the same ways to do them. So Adam perfected his recipe and he came out with a line of sauce um, years ago called Shady Dan's Hot Sauce. This was back in 2008. Some other things got in the way from making it a business back then, but those who knew the, knew the Jakish family and knew Adam were able to have the sauce for years. And just recently, this year, uh, Adam found a way to put it on the market. Um, he's got a business partner, um, which was a big help. And Shady Dan's is there with three different flavors, including uh, Chili's Last Stand, which is the, um, the the flagship of the three, but also Hob Country, a little hotter. And then a starter sauce called Little Shady's that uh, is adorable because he made it for his son who wanted to try Dad's hot sauce. Um, and he didn't want to uh, uh, harm him in any way with, with the other two flavors, so he made a Little Shady's with green, green finger chili. So check it out. We have some of the inner workings of the recipe, not the secrets, but some of the inner workings of the recipes. Um, we have the full stories of, of Shady Dan's um, hot sauce. It's got some some cool um, anecdotes with it. And Adam is actually a Wilmette uh, mail carrier, which is how we heard about it at first. It's available at eight stores around the area, including um, Chuck Wagon in downtown Wilmette. You guys should check out Chuck Wagon for everything, but uh, also they have the, the hot sauce um, Shady Dan's Hot Sauce, um, some farmer's markets, including in Winneka and Evanston. So um, check out the hot sauce. Pretty cool. And, of course, the website's there, too. You guys can check that out and buy directly from Adam. So that's our show. Uh, that is our uh, – it's getting uh, – 
it, it's tiring to do, even though this is just 17 minutes, just me talking. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope I give you a very brief and enjoyable experience for 15 minutes and, and just covering the headlines. And then you can go back and read the full stories if you want. Um, but uh, remember, we are a nonprofit outlet. So any uh, support is more than welcome um, to provide reliable and responsible. We are also nonpartisan coverage of your community every single day. Please be a subscriber. Please think about donating. Responsible News is is a public service. We believe you deserve it, um, and it matters to a community to have to have responsible information they can rely on and that they can base decisions upon. Um, and that's what we try to provide every single day. So, think about us when you're thinking about where you can contribute and become a donor or subscriber at the Record North Shore org. Looking ahead a little bit, and we have some stories coming up. There's a there's a uh, we have a exploratory piece on the pickleball growth in the North Shore and how it's just kind of expanded. If you don't know what pickleball is, uh, you might soon because your park district is probably building some courts to to contain the demand they're receiving. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, that's our last story from our intern, Elaine Trinko. Farewell, Elaine. Thank you for all your hard work um, and effort here. Um, we've been reading her all summer, so she's done some great stuff. Um, so that's her final story. We also have, there's a celebration in downtown Wilmette tonight. We'll have some photos from that. We're going to have um, recaps of the first football games from Nutrien Loyal Academy. Uh, speaking of which, you should check out our Varsity podcast, um, our sister podcast of this show. And um, we're going to have plenty more next week too. So keep checking us out at therecordnorthshore.org, updated every single day. And uh, this this podcast updated every single week. So till next time. <music>